Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Do you know how to calculate the exact amount you need to charge your clients in order to earn 20% profit on that project? It's simple to do if you know how. Learn how by downloading our free course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, today at entrearchitect.com slash free course. Hello, my name is Mark R. LePage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 223, and this week I'm speaking with Mike Baines about building science, climate change, and the pretty good house. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and much more at RCAT.com, FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work that you love. And Gusto. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. Mike Means, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, Mark. It's good to be here. It's great to have you here. Let me uh, introduce you to our listeners. A former carpenter and furniture maker with a degree in engineering, Mike Maines worked his way up to uh, director of design and business development at a high-end design build firm. He uh, gave that up to pursue his vision of creating energy-efficient, healthy homes, first as operations manager at a high-performance panelized building manufacturer, then as a residential designer and passive house consultant, and now as co-owner of a design-build construction company, Maine's Brothers Incorporated, based near Portland, Maine. Uh, Mike is also a contributing editor to Fine Home Building Magazine, one of, one of my favorite magazines, uh, where he writes about building science and design topics, and he's also a member of the Entree Architect Facebook group, the Entree Architect community, which is where we connected, um, and we... and. Uh, and he shares his knowledge in that group all the time. If anybody wants to join, it's entrearchitect.com slash group. We'll get you there. You have to be an architect to, to join. It's a private group, closed group. So just request membership and, and you can get into. Um, but that's where I met Mike. Mike, it's good to have you here. Thanks for coming. 
Yeah, th- 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 thanks for, for ha- having me, Mark. Um, I, I do have to start off by saying uh, that uh, s- some people have a face made for radio. You might have heard that phrase. Um, <laughs> I like to say I have a voice made for print. Um, I'm a lifelong strut- stutterer. Um, so if I if I freeze up here, um, uh, ha- hang with me and I'll I'll get back on a roll. All right. Um, uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, I think, I think, uh, we all have our things, things we deal with and that happens to be mine. All right. Well, I appreciate you being here because you have a vast <laughs> yeah. amount of knowledge. Um, yeah, and I appreciate you, you coming and, and sharing some of that knowledge here at the podcast. I shared a little <laughs> bit about your background. What I'd love to do is dive into your origin story. Uh, talk about where you discovered your passion and your purpose and give us that journey to where you find yourself today. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I, I have a degree in engineering uh, along with a minor in art history. Um, a- actually, I, I had the sa- sa- same advisor as a, as a recent guest of yours, Wynne Whitman. Uh, we uh, both went to Tufts University. Um, after graduation, most of my classmates went on to grad school for architecture or engineering. Um, I wasn't really ready for that. So I decided I was going to make uh, custom furniture. So I did that for a while. Um, and after looking back at my uh, profit and loss, I uh, realized I'd made $2 an hour. So I uh, <laughs> decided that wasn't really That's a more than most architects. <laughs> well, you know, it was it was a good way to start. And uh, c- cutting dovetails and, and mortises by hand was uh, re- rewarding in its own way, but uh, it wasn't going to pay back my student loans. Yeah. So uh, so I, um, I, I, was, I was living in Cambridge, Mass. at the time. So I went to work as a carpentry contractor um, in Cambridge and then later on Nantucket. Massachusetts. So I did that for several years. Um, eventually my wife and I moved to Portland, uh, Maine, and I uh, got a job as a drafter at a small uh, residential design build company. Um, I ended up working there for over 10 years in pretty much every capacity, um, but ma- mainly as a designer and as a project manager. Um, for the last several years there, I managed the design department um, overseeing several architects and drafters and also managed business development and marketing. Um, along with my colleague running the construction side of the business, we were basically being groomed to take over the company. Um, uh, we, uh, we ended up growing it to about six or seven times the size it was when we started. Um, it was pretty a pretty large company for Southern by Southern Maine standards. Um, and that that would have been a great gig. I was living in Portland, which is a cool city, and I had a great job. Um, just one problem um, along the way, I had become more aware of climate change and the way construction contributes to climate change. Um, at the same time, my wife and I had fallen into the slow food movement, which I, I know another recent guest of yours talked about, um, sort of organic food and know where your food comes from and the health aspects and the envir- environmental aspects. Um, and I think that has a lot of parallels to uh, the, the, the type of design I do now. Um, uh, but basically, the result was that my values were increasingly at odds with those of my coworkers and our clientele. Um, and I just was not able to get them to see things my way. Um, at the same time, a friend had been building passive houses. Uh, we can talk a little more about passive house um, um, if you want to, but essentially super energy efficient buildings. Um, and he was starting a new company to manufacture those in a factory setting, um, really the first shop of its kind in North America ba- based on European production techniques. Um, he needed help, so I signed on as operations manager. Um, my wife and I sold our house in Portland, moved to the country to an old farm, um, and, we, and we got that business up and running. Um, it was I, I learned a ton. It was great. They, they, they they literally build the best houses in the world. No houses are any more energy efficient or airtight or just it's a great system. Um, the problem there was uh, I was basically supposed to run the factory, and uh, I realized that really was not what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, so I, 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 I went out on my own doing uh, residential design um, along with Passive House Consulting and some uh, just more general building science consulting. Uh, doing you know energy modeling and materials consulting and things like that. Um, and that's what I've been doing for a little over three years now. Um, my most important project to date was Fine Home Building Magazine's uh, first ever demonstration house, which they uh, called the Pro Home. 
Um, it's not like the show homes you might see in other publications that are all about glitz and glamour. Uh, this was really meant to showcase efficient, affordable design and good building science principles. Um, and the goal of our project, and, actually, and I believe other subsequent projects, um, was always a goal of net zero energy ready, um, which means that the house uh, uh, can can produce as much energy as it uses over the course of a year. If, if you average everything out, it's 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 tied to the to the energy grid. It's not it's not a off grid. Uh, house, but it, it it basically is its own power plant and covers its own energy needs. Um, so that 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 was it was it was quite challenging, but um, it was mostly successful. It's mostly successful. I think we all learned a lot on it, and they're now doing their third version. So you were a consultant um, on that project. Um, I was I, I was lead designer, okay. energy modeler, mm-hmm. um, coordinator. Of, there was an interior designer, and we ended up getting a structural engineer involved. Um, but it was, it was basically my design along with, um, I, I work a lot with a free, 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 freelance designer. Um, so he, he helped me on it, but it was, it was basically my, my, my design. Um, uh, uh, the goal was to make it, uh, look, look like a modern farmhouse that was specific for a very challenging site, but they could, that would also fit in and could be built anywhere and serve anybody from, a young couple to empty nesters uh, with every feature imaginable and uh, four bedrooms, two and a half baths in uh, 1,800 square feet. So it was, it was, it was, it was a challenge, but uh, we did it. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll have, we'll have a link to that. <laughs> we'll go find that and we'll have a link on, on the show notes for that. So if anybody okay. wants to go check that out and learn more about the pro home, uh, we'll have that on the show notes. You just go to the show notes for this episode. So that's, so that's where you are today. Is that basically where, so you're doing consulting now? Well, that, that that that's what that's what I've been doing, and and it's been been moderately successful. But I've kind of hit a plateau that um, because I still live in the country and I'm committed to being here. Um, uh, just I I have limitations on growth, and I want to be able to uh, do more work. I want to be able to generate more profit. I want to be able to influence more people to design and build better houses. Um, so to that end, my brother and I have teamed up to do design build construction. So we're actually, we started our first project this week and another one starts next week and a big renovation will start in June. So uh, we're already up and running there while I'm sort of wrapping up my, my, my independent projects. Yeah. Well, that's, that's exciting. Yeah. Maine, Maine's yeah. Brothers Incorporated in Portland, Maine. Maine. That's or that's right. Yeah, it's 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 actually North Yarmouth, which is just just okay. out, 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 outside. But yeah, we'll we'll work within about about an hour of, of Portland, which is a booming, great little city. Um, so there, it's it's a really good time to start a business there because there's there's plenty of work to go around. And and because I lived there for twelve years, I'm still well connected. Uh, my brother is a is a carpenter and cabinet maker, so uh, he brings that those sort of hands on skills. Um, and and he'll event and then we'll, we eventually want to get into development as well, developing maybe multifamilies if we can get into that world. Yeah. Um, but uh, first things first, we need to generate some money, and we know how to build houses and design houses. So that's what we'll be doing starting off. Yeah, and and so this gives you a platform to finally do what you're passionate about. You've been you've been working through the industry in building science and and energy efficient homes. But never yep. sort of under your own platform where you have the control over what you want to do and where you want to go. That's that's exactly right, Mark. Yeah, I've 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 always had a hand in a part of the project, and I and I think every project is always a team effort. So I don't um, want want to pretend I can do do everything by myself. But I I'm a bit of a control freak and want to have have more control. Just when you're a designer or architect and you hand a project off to a builder, you you don't always have full control over over what happens. Um, if you're a builder, you have very little control over what happens, or some would say you have more control because you 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 you're ultimately dealing with the client and not the architect in most cases. So so um, because I've worked a lot in design build, I've really seen it, it has its downsides, but uh, to me the efficiency and of, of the integrated process outweighs any any negatives. So let's t- let's talk about that a little bit before we dive into the into the other things that we're talking about. I just want to talk yeah. a little bit more about the, the company and how you're structuring it. How because design build is a, is a very big topic that we talk about a lot at Entree Architect, and sure. I just would, I'm, I'm curious on how you've structured that design build company. Can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah. Um, uh, 
probably not as structured as it should be. Uh, but that's we're okay. Sort of, that's exactly yeah, why uh, I asked. Because a lot of <laughs> yeah. people are in the same boat. Yes, no, I mean, bo- um, both my brother and I, uh, we grew up as very uh, independent types in, in, in the main, main woods, essentially. So um, both of our approaches basically have a general idea of what we want to do, dive in, figure it, figure it out as we go. But because I have done it for 10 years, I have a pretty solid handle on contracts um, and uh, a strong, strong, strong net- network of builders and architects I already work with. So, so basically the goal will be um, – uh, at the moment, the only two employees are my brother and me. Um, uh, we have subcontracted subcontracted carpenters we're working with right now, but we're starting to interview for carpentry employees. The goal is to build up a, a uh, strong, solid company of employees and take care of the employees, make sure they have work. Um, just just really really focus on having a very um, a very sort of almost like a family type business environment. I mean, b- b- because because it is is family at the top, um, uh, and uh, because we'll have um, probably more to capacity ultimately to build than to design. I'm also maintaining my relationships with a lot of architect friends who do similar work to me as as me. Um, so we hope to get some work from them. I know that's always a challenge. It's only certain architects who are willing to give work to a design build firm. But um, there's at least a few who I know will trust me to not take over their design, just support uh, their design. In, in fact, two two of our potential projects this year are for architects, like for, for their own new custom high high performance homes. Yeah. Um, well, yes. actually, as you also as you proceed with that company and you start building a relationship with architects, you'll be able to prove to other architects that you are a collaborative company that you know that can collaborate with architects and and uh, and build their projects yes yeah exactly and and um and and just i i i know it won't be right for every architect and that's okay um i think yeah. i think i think uh we'll have a niche of highly crafted highly efficient low carbon footprint homes is is the goal right you have a very clear target market you're not just a design build company you have a very clear message and and uh, agenda that you want to uh, express with this company, correct? Uh, yes, I mean that's that, that's 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 my target. But um, I'm you know the, the the term green green building is uh is uh sort of out of favor at the moment. But um, the most important part of green building is is is, is the green money part. So uh, um, <laughs> if, right. if if somebody wants to pay us for our high level of craft and are less interested in the energy. The, the, this is basically my whole approach to design is I, er, I push people and try to help them, guide them to be to go as energy efficient as they're comfortable with yeah. and with as low a carbon footprint as, 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 as they can. But I'm not saying um, I will only do, do this. It's basically I guide them to go as far as they're willing to go and I'm pretty flexible um, at many different levels of uh, performance and construction systems and all that. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect. We could not do this without them. RCAT, FreshBooks, and Gusto. Are you ready for a summer trip to New York City? Well, RCAT is headed to New York, to the Big Apple, for the AIA Conference on Architecture this June, just a few weeks away. If you're headed there... If you're going to the Conference on Architecture, come visit the Big Red A at booth 707. Tell them that you are an Entree Architect and that you wanted to say hello. Booth 707 on June 21st and June 22nd at the Javits Center at the AIA Conference on Architecture. They will be there every morning serving coffee. I am there. They're they're serving coffee every morning. So where else do you want to go? Just go to RCAT and throughout the day, they will be having their BIM expert, Robert Wagen, explaining their new Revit plugin, Biminit. Okay? Revit plugin, Biminit. Robert's going to be there explaining all about it. Go check them out. Stop by booth 707 anytime throughout the, the conference to learn how RCAT.com can save you time and money finding all the product information for your projects. And yes, it's all completely free. Remember, just look for the big red A. Just look across the expo floor and you will see it. Trust me, you won't miss it. Check out the Big Red A. And to learn more about RCAT and how they can help you be more effective and more efficient as a small firm architect, visit them right now at entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, 
track your time for your whole team by project and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. And getting started with FreshBooks is ridiculously easy. Most people send their first invoice seconds after starting their free trial. I did exactly that. The same goes for tracking time, managing expenses, collaborating with contractors, and viewing financial reports. It's fast, it's easy, it's life-changing. And if you need help at any time, their free award-winning customer service is just a phone call or an email away. And if you ever have a second thought, don't worry. On top of your free trial for Entree Architect listeners, you get a free 30-day money-back guarantee. So you don't ever have to worry about choosing FreshBooks. You can give it a try for 30 days. Just visit EntreeArchitect.com FreshBooks and then let them know that we sent you by sharing Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's EntreeArchitect.com FreshBooks. Check them out to access your free unlimited 30-day trial. Payroll and benefits. I'm just going to let that soak in a little bit. Payroll and benefits. Payroll and benefits. That makes my spine tingle. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business like us. You don't have time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations. And the old school payroll providers, they just don't get it. They aren't built for the way that we work today. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy for you to get it right. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service for your team. And to help support the Entree Architect podcast, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Listen up, sign up today, and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to entrearchitect.com slash gusto. Go check them out at entrearchitect.com slash gusto and claim your free three months of payroll processing. RCAT, FreshBooks, and Gusto. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So you and I connected on the Entree Architect Facebook group, the Entree Architect community. Um, it, and the yep. reason we connected is that uh, I ask, every week I ask a question to sort of get the conversation going. Although recently I have I've had to do that less because the community has gotten, gained such a capacity and they're su- in, it's such an interactive group that people post questions constantly all throughout the day uh, and, and tremendous engagement in that group. Uh, we get 50, 60 to 100 comments on every every comment that anybody uh, posts in there. But I posted about uh, probably about a month ago, maybe a little more than a month ago. Um, what is your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal? And and I shared what some of my goals were, and I invited everybody in the group. It's a it's a very um, uh, intimate group, although it's 2,600 members now. But it, it's it's a closed group, it and really so it's, it's 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 there's a, a lot of trust built in that group, and so uh, people are very transparent and open about what they're doing and how they're doing it, and so I invited people to sort of put their biggest goals out onto into the group and have other people comment on what they want to d- achieve, and a lot of people posted you know these big big goals um, of what they want to achieve in life. And I, sh- I shared mine, and you shared yours, and you and I had a had a, a conversation through the group, um, and which led to this podcast. And I wanted to invite you here to have a conversation about your goal. Do you want to talk about your goal first, and then we can have a conversation about how you're going to get there? Sure. Yeah. No. So, um, b- basically, my my goal is to significantly significantly improve the quality of residential construction in the United States. Um, at least maybe beyond, primarily to prepare for and reduce the severity of climate change, essentially improve construction enough to address climate change. Right, and you want to um, change yeah. across the board. Because in order to for us to affect climate change, which we can get into uh, about what that means, um, mm-hmm. it, this is a big goal. Because it's not just you building, you know, you at, at Maine's Brothers building sustainable buildings. This is about changing the world and the way they build. 
Right, and and it's it's a big big goal, and I have no, no, no illusions that we'll be able to to do it on our own, but by any means, um, just I feel a a deep responsibility to, um, in, uh, to to uh, push my sphere of influence in a direction that's 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 in a that's in a positive direction. I, I've I've done enough designing and building of houses that contribute heavily to climate change. I want to do houses that uh, reverse yeah. help reverse climate change. And that's the whole idea change. of a, of a um, BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal, is that big goal that possibly may not be achievable, but it's something that you're so passionate about that you're going after it. And if you get there, then that's great. And if not, you're going to do a lot of good along the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, And of course, the, the uh, ter- ter- term... Uh, Bhag came from Jim Jim Collins' uh, yep. book, Good to Great. Uh, one of my favorites. I've 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 read it many times. Um, and yeah, it's it's a big goal, and I've thought a lot about it over the years. I mean, it's been at least ten years now that I've been trying to figure out what mine is. And once I identified it, it really everything else sort of came into focus. Of the, the this is what I have to do. I'm still figuring out the bits and pieces to get there, but I I I have a clear direction so, so on what, what I have to do. What triggered this this goal? What why are you so passionate about this? Um, it's really just more, as, as I learned more about climate change and realized just how um, heavily construction influences it. Um, and, and I know cl- climate change or global warming is you know there are political. Uh, context and not everybody, you know, believes in it, which you know, th- are things like that. But I, I, I can, I can t- talk a little bit about climate change yeah, specifics I, if, you know, if you don't I, mind. I don't want to get into a political conversation about it. I, I'd like to get into the, yeah. the, the idea of what it is and how, how it, how it comes about and what we can do to, to change it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this, um, basically for me, it really started, uh, I was a freshman in college in 1992 and I took a, I took geology 101 just as, as an elective. Um, my professor happened to be a glacial researcher that, that, that what, 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 what was his PhD project. And he, 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 he continued to, 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 to advise students on, uh, Glacial, glacial researching. Uh, so he, he physically drilled deep cores going down hundreds of feet into old, old, old ice packs. Uh, he looked at the carbon dioxide levels going back hundred, literally hundreds of thousands of years, uh, compared those to known surface temperatures based on on car, on, uh, on, on, on radioactive carbon dating. Um, and, and he saw the almost perfect correlation. And I mean, so, so this, this is basically what, what mm-hmm. Al Gore talked about, but this, this was, was way, way, way before Al Gore, uh, uh, made, made his, his, his movie. Um, just, 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 just as a quick, um, my, my, my other Al Gore note was, was I used to work with a carpenter, uh, who was friends with the guy who actually invented the internet? So, <laughs> uh, just that's that's an aside. But um, but or basically, my uh, my professor uh, sh- sh- showed us how CO two levels were were perfectly tracking uh, temperatures, and that the CO two levels since the industrial Re- industrial revolution started were far above any in recorded history, and no sign of slowing down. Um, so basically, the short version is we're in trouble. Uh, nobody knows exactly what will happen or when it will happen. Um, they can't even really predict the weather for tomorrow. But the science is clear that there's a big, big, big changes are coming. Big changes are, are, are already happening. Um, it, it may already be too late to really reverse the problem, but we still have a chance to slow it down. Um, but to do so, we really have to halt greenhouse gas production in the next two to, th- two to three decades um, or the climate will will very likely spiral out of control over and, some and period the, of time. The built environment is um, a, for, is a yeah. huge contributor to that, correct? Yes, um, and it's it's a thing that's it's it's one of the things that uh, kind of works against the sort of climate change education movement is the data is really hard to pin down. It's a very complicated topic, but uh, the uh, estimates for the contribution of, of the construction or the built environment are anywhere from 20 to 50%, most of them on the higher end. So as much as 50% of global warming agents are related to construction, either the manufacturer, transportation, construction, or uh, op- op- operating emissions. Um, so really, we have a huge, I mean, th- th- there are, are other factors, some beyond our control, but as architects and designers, we really have a unique role and a responsibility um, that 
we we may not be the ultimate decision makers. You know that that's that's usually the person with the money make, makes the decision in the end. But as the guide guide th- guides through the process, um, we can influence what gets built and and, so and you, how it you gets mentioned built. Global warming agents, which is what's what's causing the climate change. What what are some what what does that mean? Explain mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. So so basically. Um, there are various uh, various uh, compounds that, when they're released, they go up into the atmosphere, and they stay there. They essentially um, they allow it's it, uh, they, they allow solar energy to come in and, and and reach the earth and warm things up, which is good. We want that, but that energy is supposed to also be reflected and leave the atmosphere to keep things in balance. And these these agents basically block that that block block the energy from le- leaving again the, the, there's a whole host of, of compounds um, that uh, that are involved but we sort of use carbon dioxide or car- carbon dioxide equivalent as as a, as a as a baseline so so sort of that's that's the that's the common unit we use is what's the carbon dioxide equivalent um, but like I mean you know, methane or uh, 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 Chlorofluorocarbon uh, refrigerants, um, uh, yeah, just all um, auto, automobile exhausts, uh, uh, pretty much anything you burn to heat your house or to create energy. Coal, you know, all, all these things uh, have, have have particulates and compounds that, that go up into the atmosphere and, and stay there. And a lot of them don't break down, like or like one that I I bring up a lot is. Um, the blowing agents in the most common foam insulation, which is you know good 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 old styrofoam um, XPS extruded polystyrene, uh, the blowing agents um, in in American-made XPS uh, basically off-gas go up into the atmosphere and they stay there for at least a thousand years that we know of. Um, and they and uh, if you basically if, if you wrap a house with XPS foam. It's the emissions are roughly comparable to driving an average car for two years. So on one hand, it's not it's only two years, but on the other hand, you don't have to have any of that. So you so the, the material choice choices you make really really affect um, things. Uh, they're they're all there are no big. There's no one thing we can do. It's it's basically a million small things we can do to try to try to help where we can. So just the the choice of insulation, the choice of foam. So there 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 are different types of foam. Knowing which type of foam foams are better or worse helps. Knowing how to design without foam is even better. Th- then you can actually build using uh, materials that are carbon sinks. So you're actually reversing. Um, the carbon dioxide problem by 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 encapsulating it in in the so in, the, in the building. So it's both the manufacturing of the materials that we're using that we're specifying in the in the buildings that we're designing, as well as the energy that it takes to to power and heat and and control the climates within these buildings that we're right. So it's everything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. It's it it's an it's 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 a mix of embodied energy, which is everything that goes into the building up until the day it starts operating and then there's there are the the uh, the, the, the the emissions that occur once the building st- starts be- being used so so by designing net zero energy buildings we're addressing the uh, the uh, car- carbon footprint once the building is in operation but there's still a lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, variables on the on the construction end of, of of what what materials do we use? Where do they come from? How long do they last? Um, like th- th- things like I mean I I lo- love concrete. I love working with concrete. It's plastic. You can do anything with it. It's incredibly strong in compression. It's a uh, it's got a lot of things going for it. Unfortunately, to make concrete, you have to burn rock until it turns into dust. It's it's a very 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 energy uh, intensive material. So I, I try to minimize my use of concrete. Um, I use concrete because there are some things it can do that other things just cannot do. But um, I try not to build like whole ICF homes because there are many other good ways to build a house that don't include running concrete right up to and the so roof line. You said up to fifty percent of the of the uh, agents are coming from the building environment. That's an estimate, you know, big big wide yeah. estimate. Um, do you know how much yeah, how much but, of that is coming from residential and how much of that is coming from commercial? 
Um, you know, I should know that, but I'm, I, I, I don't know the proportion. Um, my world is, is, yeah. um, has always been residential, so I'm pretty narrowly focused there. I would, uh, I, I know I've read what it is, you but know, I, you I, know I don't have, to have the data uh, on, on the tip. I, I there yeah. are so many more homes. I would have to think so. Um, I mean, e- even within the residential world, we do know like, like in the passive house world, it's really hard to, um, the kind of houses I design, you know, small, efficient homes are actually really hard to make make meet passive house requirements, which are the this you know the the, the global low energy building standard. Um, but it's relatively easy with the multifamily. So so really, and it's actually relatively easy with a big single family home, which is backwards. Um, uh, there, uh, so so basically, the bigger the building, the easier it is why, to make it energy efficient. The smaller. Um, basically, it's, surf, it's a um, volume. Uh, sorry, it's volume to surface area ratio. That the, the the most efficient shape is, is is a cube, and as you spread that out, you you get more surface area. I mean, I mean, you get um, more 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 volume compared to the sur- sur- surface area. Um, so, the energy loss is through the walls and roof and and, and floor, and so uh, if you can get more floor area, more more, more living area within within just a slightly bigger enclosure, then you then you have a great efficiency. If you're if you're if you if 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 one wall of your house butts up against the wall of somebody else's house, there's really no energy loss between those two walls. Um, if there's somebody above you and below you, then you have have almost no energy loss through your unit, and um, so so you can cut 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 emissions from from your 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 unit by you know maybe 80 yeah. percent and that's that's why i ask whether you know where, whether it's residential or commercial because most of our community the entree architect community who listens to this podcast most of us are are dealing in residential construction not all of us but most of us are um and so sure. and sure. there are hundreds of thousands of us not necessarily listening here but there are hundreds of thousands of <laughs> small firm architects around the world um, who are who have the control over how these buildings are being built? Most residential construction is being built by developers, and so developers have their own responsibilities. But we have a huge responsibility right. and a huge uh, con- a- amount of control over what gets built and what doesn't get built. And so um, that's why I wanted to bring that up. That that we actually, as a as a community, our community, um, can make a difference. That's why you know when I talk about if you build a better business. You can be a better architect, but you actually impact the profession when you do that. Because if we're all doing that and we all build better businesses, the profession uh, gains uh, strength. And we ha- then have more control over what gets built and, uh, and what happens throughout the world. And so we literally have the power to change the world. And so what Mike's talking about here is the same, same idea. We have the power to make these changes. All we have to do is change the way we do what we do. And so, so Mike, what are some of the things that we can do? What are, what are some of the different, I know that there's passive house and there's net zero energy and there's a new thing that you talked about to me, you mm-hmm. off the offline. And I love to talk about the pretty good house. Um, yeah. Talk about some yeah. of those different um, methods and what some of us can do. Cause the, we're not all, um, we're not all focused and many of our clients don't even want to spend the money to build some of the houses that could be as energy efficient as a passive house. Um, how do we, how, what are some of these different approaches and then how, what's the most realistic approach to talking to our clients um, when we're presenting these ideas? Right. Yeah. So no, the, the, um, the, there are a lot, lots of t- tools in the, in the toolbox and, and I agree that um, just if, if 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 every architect was able to improve what they're doing by 10%, it would have a huge, huge, huge impact. So so it's not that we all have right. to start building passive houses. Um, pa- passive house, of course, is the global building energy standard that um, uh, essentially specifies a very low um, use of energy per square foot per person, um, plus plus some other 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 metrics. Um, for um, but I found that it's it's in general. It's for in general. It's something that people invest in who who want to do it for uh, environmental reasons or 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 to be leaders. It's it's the economic argument based on U.S. systems of buying and financing homes 
it's it's a hard sell. It's a little easier in Europe where they finance things differently. Basically, basically in Europe, the mortgage goes with the house, not with the person. So it's it's easier to finance these things a little bit longer. Um, focusing more on multifamily is is a, is a is 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 one approach. I mean, the American dream is not to live in a multifamily, but it's it's a it's it makes a big difference on energy use. Um, net zero energy, zero net energy. Um, um, however, you, you want to say it is a good goal, especially if it goes along with materials that have a low carbon footprint um, with the way solar energy uh, photovoltaic um, uh, energy has has come down it, it's it can actually be a reasonably good investment if you if you crunch the numbers you can get you know upwards of a 10 to 15 percent return on investment if you can afford the upfront cost of, of the of the panels um, there are a bunch of other high performance programs that uh, that they're all good. Uh, my personal favorite is, is is the pretty good house. Um, it started at a building science discussion group. Uh, we've had in Portland, Maine, for almost ten years now. Basically, a bunch of building nerds, as my wife calls us, uh, <laughs> get get together at 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 the local green built building supplier. Um, and have a beer and talk about things like ventilating roofs and insulating foundations. It's it's um, it's been a really great way to share information and build networks and make friends and find co- find employees and things like that. It's just it's been a great group. Um, and the topic one day, uh, the moderator uh, for the group uh, came in. He had just just finished building a passive house and he just thought the um, you know 14 inches of foam under the foundation and this and that. He just said it's it's just it's it's great, but it's too much. You know, it's it's, it's not an easy sell. But the only other metric at the time was code minimum, and none of us want to just do code minimum. Um, so he said, "What, what, what would just a pretty darn good house look like?" And so that that became the pretty good house movement. Um, I blog occasion, occasionally at greenbuildingadvisor.com, which um, really should be called Building Science Advisor, but since green is now kind of out of favor. But um, anyway, that's that that website is a great resource. Um, I published a couple of blogs there about what goes into a pretty good house. Um, essentially, there are. It's it's basically it's it's the standard that's not a standard because there are no requirements. Um, it just talks about it's just basically being thoughtful about all the aspects that go into a building from the design and maintenance and durability and health and and energy use. Um, in Maine, we came up with some prescriptive codes based on Building Science Corporation uh, data that. Um, in Maine, we should be putting our 10 insulation under slabs, our uh, 20 on foundation walls, our 40 above grade walls, and our 60 in the roof. So that's that's kind of our our general standard baseline. So it's it's just a little bit above above uh, the 2015 IECC recommendations, but it's it's it was it's it's a lot better than most people are doing, and it really um, makes sense. Um, my version of that is to do energy modeling for every bigger project. Um, I, I use the PHPP, which is the Passive House Energy Modeling Program, but it's it's extremely accurate. It's also extremely intense and doesn't make sense on a lot of jobs. Very quick and easy is to use BEOPT, B-E-O-P-T. It's a free download from the Department of Energy. Um, they make it fairly easy to plug in different options. You can start with a base with a code minimum baseline and then see what the basically see how much money or energy you would save if you make 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 different adjustments so you might start with our 20 walls and see what would it look like if you wrapped the building with two inches of polyiso foam and you can see what what the result of that is um, and so but using that system what I do do for most clients is I show maybe 20 or 30 options and show what the return on investment is for each of the um, each of these these upgrades, um, especially financial, uh, uh, financially minded people re- respond to return on investment. Um, it's a lot better to talk about return on investment than payback when it comes to energy things. People want to talk about how many years until I pay that back, but that's really not the best way to think about it. Um, basically, you're saying if you have a few extra dollars, you could put it in the stock market and maybe make 10% if you're lucky. Probably more like eight percent or or less. Um, on average, um, if you if you put that money into upgrading your house and you're going to stay in your house a while, and you can pretty much guarantee a ten percent return on investment or a fifteen percent return on investment, it's kind of hard to argue against. Um, even as low as a five percent return on investment, knowing that there are also environmental benefits. Um, 
and it's virtually guaranteed, that that can be a good sell. Once you get down into sort of the one, two, three percent return on investment range, uh, things may still be good for the planet, or you may want to do them for health or other reasons. But I have a hard time recommending them, knowing that the people could donate or the money elsewhere or invested elsewhere. Where, where can we find that but, the information that you just talked about with with uh, ROI? Where where is that? Is that on your site or is that somewhere else? Um, the uh, the inf- um, the the information on ROI is um, that's something that I I mm-hmm. I have my own spreadsheet I use um, um, and I don't um, I am working on our website for the Pretty Good House it'll be called theprettygoodhouse.com I've been it's it's been an idea for for years um, and I, I'm going to try to get it up live but it's not live right now but eventually that's the kind of thing that we'll have on that website is he, here's how you calculate a return on investment you can use um, I tend to use just simple, simple, simple returns without calculating um, uh, co- compounded interest and all that. But you can do a net present value analysis, which is a little more accurate if you want to guess at what inflation rates will be. Um, uh, so, um, other than that, I, I don't know a specific place to get it unless mm-hmm. you go through passive house training. Um, um, but the uh, B opt itself is uh, is is free from the Department of Energy. Just I think it's doe.gov. Um, uh, and there's a pretty good, um, support forum there. And we also talk about, uh, Beopt regularly on Green Building Advisor. Um, and Beopt also, also has a feature, um, I don't use, I'm a little too independent, but they, they have, um, they, they do have cost data built into Beopt, um, sort of, sort of net, net national averages for a lot of different materials and products. So you can use an automated function, of theirs, which is to let the program tell you what the most efficient path would be. Um, but I, I, I basically like to do it longhand um, is, is there for a, the extra um, control. Is there a place where we can go learn more about the Pretty Good House? The best place probably is, is to go to greenbuildingadvisor.com and just put, put Pretty Good House in the search bar. Um, two articles I wrote should pop right up that sort of were the introductory posts. Um, and then there are a lot of other, it's discussed pretty regularly there. If you just Google Pretty Good House, um, the green building world mostly knows about it. Um, a lot of people hate it for the name. Um, <laughs> I'm not crazy about the name myself. It sort of is a, it's, it's sort of an in-joke uh and I, I uh, and I think the joke turns a lot of people off, or, the, or yeah. just uh, they not, don't get, not the, get best the joke. Brand but, in the world, um, it, it is not the best brand. Um, my contribution or my my suggestion was was wicked good <laughs> wicked good house, um, but uh, that was determined to be a little too too New England focused. Uh, uh, I uh, we talked about really good house is is a good way to say it. You can also just just call it it. It's really it's kind of it's the concept yeah. that's important and not the name. So just basically look beyond the name. The concept is to balance expenditures and gains in a way that makes sense but results in better buildings. And if you feel like you've and a big part of it is if you, if you feel like you've uh, met the requirements, you can buy yourself <laughs> yeah. a plaque. Because uh, yeah, I think I think that's so, really a great uh, approach. So, because you know when you're talking about passive house or, or zero net energy houses. Those are really specific, and it takes a lot of of, um, of uh, convincing clients to to move in those directions. Uh, a, an idea like Pretty Good House, where you just you know, if you if you do this and you do this and you do this and you just tweak these few materials, or you you specify this type of system instead of this system, the numbers work out and maybe even in your favor. Uh, but it's an easy; it's you can just apply it to the way you do architecture. And it's not necessarily having to sell your client on doing houses differently. We can just design them differently. And this gives us a, a way to say, okay, this is where I need to tweak it. And this is where I need to focus in order to get my designs to the next level and just contribute um, to, to, uh, to helping this situation a little bit more. I love, I love that exactly. idea. And I'm looking forward to your website because I think that'll be a, a tremendous resource uh, at uh, theprettygoodhouse.com eventually because um, uh, I think that's, yes. that's something that we're looking for. That's, that's the kind of thing that many of us residential architects uh, would love to have to be able to, to say, okay, let's take these standards and put them into our systems and into the way we design architecture uh, because it's not going to increase the cost that much and it's going to have a, a great impact. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 not unlike lead was a good idea is is a good idea, but it's 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 a little bit too yeah. much of checking the boxes and arbitrary. You know, you get points for importing bamboo from 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 or bit 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 bamboo flooring, but not for locally produced whatever. You know, it's. It's sort of just just think, thinking critically about every every step yeah, every yeah. step of the way. And, and I, you know, if we um, want to really have a, yeah. an, an impact um, and and help you achieve your 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 BHAG, that's that's the kind of thing that's going to do <laughs> that. That's the kind of thing that will influence every architect designing homes or doing residential alterations, because it'll be easy to apply to what we're doing. We won't have to put a lot of brain power into figuring out how to do what we do a little bit better. I think. I think I think that type right. of thing will have more impact than a than a than a, um, a program like Passive House. And I'm not against Passive House. I just don't think there's as many architects no. who can go there as something that's that's a little bit less stringent, but have more architects uh, applying those values and those standards to the work that they're doing. That could add up to a lot more than these other programs. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I I think. We need need need, mm-hmm. need both. Absolutely. We need leaders on the bleeding edge, pushing the bar ahead. So, like for the, those folks, pet, passive house is is already too too easy. Now, now, now they're on to to, to the living building challenge and and uh, net positive projects. Um, but for the vast majority of people who are basically stuck with code minimum as maybe too hard to get to, it sort of gives gives them a bar exactly. that's sort of in the middle there. The, 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 not, it's not yeah, we, too, we it's not too hard to reach. We always need the leaders at the, at the cutting edge. We always need them yeah. pushing the limits to the best we can because then that trickles down to things like the Pretty Good House. We can learn from what they're doing and say, okay, we can't do that, but what they've taught us, we can apply to the things that we're doing uh, and do it on every project we do and have a really big impact uh, uh, on uh, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Our, our footprint of of the number of residential architects that that we have, if we're all tweaking our projects just a little bit, it's going to have a massive impact. Well, I love it. Yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to to the website. Um, for the f- until then, you can go to Mike's site. It's michaelmains.com. That's M A I N E S. So michaelmains.com is Mike's website. Um, you can also Check out, he has a Facebook group for that, uh, that discussion group that he talked about before. If you can go to BS and beer, so BS as in building science, the word and, and beer like the drink, BS and beer, that's the Facebook group. You can go um, request membership over there and have, be part of the discussion on building science every day over there. So that's a new group, and so um, that's something that Mike put together. You can also find um, Mike on Instagram at Michael Mains, and you can, if you have questions or you want to uh, continue a discussion with Mike directly, his email is Michael at MichaelMains.com. Um, before we wrap up here, Mike, I want to ask you our one final question that we ask everybody. What is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Um, yeah, I, I'd say l- learn about embodied energy and energy modeling. Don't, don't be afraid of the technical side of the business. Um, learn about it. Embrace it. Um, it, it may generate profits right away, uh, and it, it will absolutely generate more work Excellent. for you We'll have the links road. to everything we talked about today on the show notes, so go find the show notes for this episode. Mike, thank you very much for joining us here today and for sharing your knowledge at Entree Architect Podcast. Yeah, thank you, Mark. It was great to be here. So there you go. This has been a a topic that people have been asking for for a long time. Building science, climate change. These are are topics that people uh, have a lot of concern about. They want to do the right thing. So go check out uh, Michael Maines and some of the resources. Go to entrearchitect.com slash episode 223 223 to get the show notes and the links to everything that Mike shared today. EntreeArchitect.com slash episode 223. Um, you can go there, get everything you need, and that's the link to share. Share it with a friend. EntreeArchitect.com slash episode 223. Hey, I have some big news for you. Big news. Our friend Alex Gore over at Inside the Firm podcast, he just launched a new course called Revit Rocket Ship. I love that name, Revit Rocket Ship. 
If you are a Revit beginner, Revit Rocketship will teach you everything you need to know to get up and running fast. And if you're a more experienced Revit user, it's good for you too. It will help you become more efficient. You'll learn everything you need to know how to, to do what you do on Revit better. Get your work done better, faster. Got it? So a Revit rocket ship. Um, and this is, this is the news right here. Not only has it launched, Alex has given me three free enrollment coupons. Three of them. Three of them. But I'm keeping one for myself because it's been way too long. It's time for me to also learn Revit. So I'm going through this course myself. I'm going to use one of these freebies for myself, but I'm going to give away the other two. I'm going to give away the other two to one of you. So here's how, here's how you're going to get it. I only have two and you got, I have thousands of people listening here. So I'm going to give away these two. This is how we're going to do it. I want you to go check out uh, Entree Architect on Instagram. So that's, this is what you got to do. Listen up on Instagram, on your, on your Instagram account, post an image of you in your workspace. So on an image of you in your workspace, and then in the text post why you should re receive the free enrollment to Revit Rocketship. Then listen up, tag me at Entree Architect, tag Al at Inside the Firm, and include a hashtag Revit Rocketship. Hashtag Revit Rocketship. On Friday, June 15th, I'm going to pick the two submissions that I like best and send you the free enrollment. So get creative. I'm going to pick my favorites. There's five steps to win. Post an image of you in your workspace. Share why you should receive the free enrollment. Tag me at Entree Architect. Tag Al at Inside the Firm. And include the hashtag Revit Rocket Ship. And I will pick two and send you a free enrollment. And this is a serious course. You're going to want this free enrollment. If you want to enroll today, if you don't want to wait until the 15th, if you want to enroll today, or if you just want to learn more, go to revitrocketship.teachable.com. Revitrocketship, one word, revitrocketship.teachable.com. That's where you can go and enroll. And as a member of the Entree Architect community, you can use a discount code 25% dash off. So that's the discount code. Use the discount code 25, the numbers, 25% the symbol dash off. 25% dash off, and you will get 25% off if you enroll before Friday, June 15, 2018. RevitRocketShip.teachable.com, 25% dash off. Get your 25% off today. And while you're at it, go over to the Facebook group, Entree Architect Community on Facebook, EntreeArchitect.com slash group. It is the most interactive, most supportive, most encouraging, and most positive place on the internet for small firms. It's the place to be. Go check it out. EntreeArchitect.com slash group. My name is Mark Arlepage, and I am an entrepreneur architect, and I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, share what you know. Go get those free enrollments at Revit Rocketship right now. Instagram. Do it. Love, learn, Share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris Owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. 
in drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively that (laughs) then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real to this day i i I don't know if it's with everybody but with me i'm always questioning like us can we do this are we ready to do this are we prepared can we do it did we just decide a name (laughs) we did it guys one that came out of nowhere it came out of nowhere i liked it i saw it ready to turn your aspirations into reality Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.